How is everybody doing today? Awesome. I am not Pastor Jake or Bethany. They were lazy today and came in second service, just rolling on in. No. Um, Pastor Jake's younger brother, uh, Johnny, got married. Woo, breaking things up here. Got married last night. So they were in the wedding and were there late last night. So they said, since we spoke the last two weeks, we need you to come in and kind of clean it up. Just, you know, kind of like see if we exegeted our Bible correctly and like if we are theologically accurate. So that's why I'm here today, you know, just, no, I'm just joking, just joking. No, I am super honored to be speaking today. My husband and I are the youth pastors here at Joy Church. We love it. It is wild. It is crazy. If you are a student in here, I'm happy you're here. But no, we love it. So I am super stoked to be speaking today. I don't know about you, but we have had an amazing series the last week. It's only been two weeks. But I am so challenged in my faith, even in just two weeks of this, of this series, I am like so stirred, ready to live a faith-filled life. I don't know about you, I hope you guys have been liking it, but um, it's been amazing. And you know, as we get into the message today, I first have to let you guys know that I am a very, very practical person. And I always knew this, is anyone else in here like, yep, I feel you, type A personality, I love practicality, all of my drawers are like organized, they have cubbies for things. Okay, I'm not that organized, but I love it when I see people like organize their fridge. Like, how do you do that? I love it, but I don't actually get that far to it. But I am a very practical person, and I think I really had this solidified for me when I got married which happens a lot in a lot of areas of my life, but it really was in that area of practicality when one day my husband comes home from the grocery store and you know, he's bringing in all the groceries, I'm in the kitchen cleaning, and he comes walking in with those massive like Costco-sized paper towels. Or I think it was one of those. It was huge. You're like, this is going to last me for the rest of my life, those kind of things. And he's looking at me with this smirk and he's carrying it towards me and I'm like, what's going on? What, what you got there? And he goes, I got this for you. And I'm like, it's really nice, but like... Why? <laughs> and he goes, I was going to get you flowers, but I just thought you would like this more. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. I am a practical person. And he goes, they're both just going to go in the trash anyways. <laughs> I said, you're not wrong. And to give you some context, he hates buying paper towels. He's like, might as well just wipe up our kitchen counter with dollar bills and toss them in the trash. But I love paper towels. And so it was very romantic because he knows I am a practical person. You know, and I, uh, I went to a baby shower a, a few months back and I'm like seeing all these gifts being opened and they're like the cute like little hats and shoes and the onesies, you know, they're like this big and they're so cute. And my friend gets to my gift and it is a basket of postpartum supplies. And I'm like, maybe I should have thrown something cute in there. Nope, it's like, here's your adult diapers and dermaplast. And if you're a mom, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I think I'm a little too practical on that one. Luckily she was a close friend, but let me tell you, when you need it, you're thankful for it. You know, I'm just, it's kind of those things, I just give kind of annoying gifts in the moment. Like, I gave my mother-in-law a hand mixer for Christmas. And you might be like, well, that's, that's a nice gift. But it's like, this isn't fun. Like, I don't know. It's just, I give kind of practical gifts. That's just who I am. And so today, we're talking about faith. We're on this series called Up For It. And, you know, it, in true Kayla fashion, I had to keep it very practical. Um, you know, gifts, practical gifts are kind of annoying when you open them. And just like this message today, you might be kind of annoyed at me at sometimes, and that's okay. Because I've been kind of annoyed at this message sometimes. I'm like, I have to actually do something with my faith now. I can't just like have it and just be like, well, now I know what I got to do. So my goal today is to have you leave just a little bit annoyed 
that you have to actually now live a faith-filled life. And I'll know it, I'll, don't worry, I'll remind you of that as we get into it. But you know, we've, uh, Jake and Bethany did an amazing job the last couple weeks just talking about faith, and um, Bethany did an awesome job talking about the voices that come into, comes into our life when, you know, when we're trying to have faith and people are speaking against it. Such an awesome job. And you know, I think a lot of times as Christians, we kind of know the word faith. Sometimes it feels a little abstract. You know, we're like, well, we have our signs in our house and the little signs in our bathroom wall. We wear our t-shirts. We post on Facebook about our faith. And those are all good things. I'm not dissing those. But I think where there's a a misconception is that faith was never meant to be something that we just kind of had, you know, like the safe little thing in our hands, like I have this faith. I'm going to show you sometimes. It was actually an action that's meant to be lived out on a daily basis. It was never meant to be this little comfortable thing that God said, here you go, put a sign on your wall, and that's it. You're good. You've arrived. No, faith is an action. It's something that we do. It's a state of being. It's not just something that we decide to operate in when it's convenient for us and when it makes sense. It's not something that we just have. We say, okay, today I'm feeling good, God. So like, is there something you want me to do today? But like tomorrow, Monday, I'm a little tired. Like maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, it's not something that we choose at our own convenience. Faith is an action. And a lot of times, you know, we say, well, I have faith in faith. I have faith that, you know, if God is gonna, gonna tell me to do something that he will, like I have faith that he can. We have faith in like our quality of faith. Like Bethany had said last week, you know, she would like close her eyes and be like, I believe I can move this mountain. I know if I have faith like a mustard seed, God said I can move a mountain. It's like you have so much faith in your confidence in yourself and in your ability to have faith. But a lot of times we misplace our faith And we put it in ourselves and in our ability to do something and not where the Bible actually says to put it, which is in God. And so many times in the Bible, it says because of their faith in, and it never said themselves, it never said in their capabilities, in their qualified set of skills, it was because of their faith in Christ, because of their faith in God, in their Savior, in their Father, it was always because of their faith in God. And so I want to remind you today, don't just have faith in your confidence and faith and just your ability to have faith. Actually have faith in God. And you know, it doesn't always look the way we want it to, you know, when we have faith. Sometimes it looks a little different, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, Sorry, i got to get to my right notes here. You know, there's a reason why the Bible says faith without works is dead, because it was never meant to be stagnant. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever played, like, a, a video game where it kind of says, like, beast mode activated. Have you ever kind of heard that phrase before, like, beast mode activated? So today, I really want to focus on your faith-activated life, a, a life where you say, I don't just kind of live with this, like, little tool in my Christian tool belt that says, well, I have faith when needed, but it's actually, I want you to leave here today understanding that faith is something that we live in a constant state of being activated. Just like today, you're going to walk out like, beast mode activated, let's go, let's do something. In. That's my goal today. So we'll see. We'll just wait until you get annoyed with me, though. So the first thing about having authentic faith is that in order to have that, you have to have a relentless, unshakable, and unmovable trust in God. You're all amening right now, but think about the last time your trust was broken. And you now say, wait, but now this is actually really hard for me to give. My neighbor over here is like amening, but I'm like, this is kind of a valuable thing to me. I've given this to people before and it was broken. It's not easy to give trust to people. It's hard sometimes to give trust to God. 
But if you want to live a life with faith activated in your everyday life, it starts with having a complete trust in God. And you can't have trust in God if you don't know God. And it sounds so simple, like, well, duh, (laughs) you know. But a lot of times, you know, we'll read our Bible, we'll check off that kind of everyday, you know, okay, I read my chapter today and move on. But you can't have faith in God if you are not taking the time to sit and commune and learn and meet God. You know, in Hebrews 11, it talks all about these different heroes of faith. All these different amazing people that did amazing things for God. But the thing is, is they weren't really amazing people at first. They're just ordinary people that met and communed with God on a daily basis, that learned his character, that learned his voice, that knew that when God called them out and called them to move and called them to go, they knew him so well that it was easy to say, yes, God, because I trust you. Of course I'm going to do this thing, even if I don't understand it, because I have such an anchor in who you are, and I know who you are. I know who my Father is, that when you ask me to go, I will go. But you can't have a faith-activated life if you don't know God. You can't trust God if you don't know God. And I have three points I want to kind of focus on today. The first one is faith isn't always logical. Most of the time, it's actually very illogical. When you look at the Bible and you look at the different heroes of faith, every time you're like, God, this makes no sense. Like I think of Abraham, God promises Abraham a son in his old age, which already didn't make sense. Abraham's like, I'm in my 90s, Sarah's in her 90s. Like, I kind of know how things work and I just don't think that we're gonna have a baby. But God says, it's not up to you. (laughs) Doesn't matter if it makes sense to you, you're gonna have a son. And he gives him a son. It's amazing. God, you fulfilled your promise. It wasn't very logical when he said, now take that son that I actually promised you. And a lot of times we kind of don't think about that, that Abraham was having to sacrifice the thing that he stepped out in faith and said, okay, God, I trust you. And God gave it to him. And now God's saying, now take your son. He was old enough. Isaac was old enough to be able to carry wood up the mountain. I don't know exactly how old he was. And now he says, I want you to sacrifice him. It's not very logical in the moment. God, you promised me the son. And even though you already performed a miracle to give me a son in my old age, now you're asking me to sacrifice him. Why? But Abraham knew who his God was, and he knew, God, you have a reason. God, I can trust that there there is a plan for why you're asking me to sacrifice something so great. And, you know, it's really easy when we're reading the, the, the stories in the Bible. You know, a lot of us know Noah's Ark and Daniel in the lion's den. And, you know, we can kind of reference these stories and we, we can look at them and say, oh, God's going to save you. Oh, God's going to redeem you. He's going to fulfill his promises. Because when, it's the, when, you can, when you know the whole story, it's really easy to have faith. It's really easy to say, we know the end of the story. God came through. But what happens when God comes to you in the middle of your story and asks you to do something that requires great faith, and you don't know. God, are you gonna be at the end of this? God, are you gonna catch me? God, are you gonna take care of us? Are you gonna provide for us? It's a lot harder to have faith when you're the one looking down at the lions in the lion's den. It's a lot harder when God says, build a boat. and You're like, God, it rains in Eugene, but not that much. Like, really? Faith is not always logical. But I want you to have that deep trust in God that says, God, even when I don't understand it, I trust that you have a will, you have a plan. 
And a lot of times it goes against the natural circumstances in our life. God says, hey, give this amount of money, you know, maybe do a missions or church or whatever. And you're looking at your bank account and you go, I don't know about that, God. Are you sure that's you speaking? It doesn't always go. It doesn't always make sense in our natural circumstance. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it says, we've all heard this verse before, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. And this verse is so cute hanging on a bathroom wall. It is so cute when you look at it at Hobby Lobby and you're like, oh, I love this. And you go put it in your dining room. Like, I'm not dissing that. But it was probably a lot harder when God said, Abraham, take your son and walk him up the mountain and sacrifice him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Abraham didn't have to understand why. He says, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him as Abraham's taking out his knife to sacrifice. I know this got really dark really fast. Taking out his knife. Don't be wise. Fear the Lord. It's a lot harder to read this verse when you're really actually applying it to your life. It gets a lot harder. And I can promise you that laying on the other side of your obedience to move when God says move, to operate in faith when God says go, to do something, There is a supernatural move of God waiting and laying on the other side of your obedience to hear his word and to move when he speaks. And it doesn't always look the way we want it to. You know, last year, um, I was kind of coming to this position in my life. I was working from home. I had uh, a baby and my uh, two or three-year-old at the time. And it was kind of a lot. It was a heavy load to carry. And I remember going, God, like, I'm trying to carry all this. And I was talking to my husband, like, should I quit my job? Like, should I stay and try to go on more? I just was going back and forth trying to find all the right plans, right? Like, how can I make this work in my own ability? How can I make this work and make it have it all? But I really felt God just kept saying, you need to quit your job. You need to be with your boys, invest in your boys. Now, I'm not saying working as a mom is bad at all. I'm saying for me personally, this is what God was asking me to do. Stay home, invest in your boys, invest in the church. That's where I want you. And I don't know about you, and if you live in the same economy that I do today, (laughs) but going to one income is a little scary. (laughs) And it was hard. And I kept trying to find all these ways to make it work. And honestly, I probably could have. I probably could have found a way, you know, made it happen and said, okay, well, you know, it's fine. But I just knew God was saying, no, this is what I'm asking you to do. And honestly, I haven't really seen this like really crazy result in my faith yet or like in from that happening, which leads me to my next point. We don't always see the result of our faith. But you know what I do know is that every day, especially right now in this season of my life, having a one-year-old and a three-year-old, I definitely am not seeing the result of my faith quite yet. I'm like, all I see is diapers, and I'm feeding these children, and they're up so early, and I haven't slept in, you know, in days. But what I know, because I know my God, and I know that as every day when I'm reading my Bible or reading my son's Bible to him, even though he's, you know, kind of all over the place, I know these are seeds that are being invested into his future that I may not see for 10, 20 years, hopefully sooner, but I may not see it, but I don't do this out of what I can get. I do it because I know that God is faithful and I believe that these seeds that are being planted now will have a result and will have fruit in the years to come. You know, I was reading um, in Hebrews 11, and I think I've glossed over this verse many times because it never really stuck out to me quite this way. But in Hebrews 11, uh, 13, it says, uh, through 16, I believe, yeah, it says, all these people died still believing what God promised them. 
still believing what God promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And this verse moved me so deeply because I really felt like God said, if you never saw the result of your faith, would you still have open hands and a willingness to move when I say move? To go on, and then I say that because there's so many areas that God calls us to do things and to do different things and to step out in faith. But if you never saw the result of your faith, would you still have faith in me and listen to me and obey me when I ask you to do something? I don't know if I, I, I had to think about it. I was like, man, that is a tough question. But I want to have the kind of faith that says, God, absolutely nothing is worth more than your will, more than what you're accomplishing, more than what you have on this earth. And we learn this by, like I said, by learning the character of God, by learning our God and realizing he will never ask you to do something for no reason. He always has a plan. And my third one, my third point today is faith is not a vending machine. And I think a lot of times we kind of think, well, like, okay, God, I'm kind of having this financial struggle, so I'm gonna give, like, this amount of money, it's kind of hard for me, it's kind of a stretch, but I know you're gonna come through. Like financially, I'll see you like, give me something back. It's not a vending machine. We don't give something to God so we can get something in return. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times we get it kind of backwards. And a lot of times, another way we do this is we get all of our plans together. We say, I have this plan for my family, for my job, for my kids, for this and that. And we take it to God and we say, okay, God, it's all ready for you. Like, what do you think? And God says, I don't really care about your own ability to create a plan for your life. I mean, he does care about that. But I think that our lives would significantly change if we would go to God first and say, God, what is your plan for my family? What is your plan for my career? What is your plan for my life? God, I have no idea where I'm going. I'm just kind of wandering around trying to figure it out. God, what are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to say in my life? And if we actually sat and listened to his voice, we have to shift having faith in our own ability to create a life that we think is worth living, is good, is great. And we have to shift our focus to saying, God, I want to have a God life that is completely led and directed by your voice and by what you want for me. It's not having faith in our own ability. It's having faith and a relentless trust in God. And in James 1, 6, it says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalties unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And this is where we get so easily caught up in that, like, God, I trust you, but I got to figure it out first. God, I trust you, but first I got to go here and I got to get all these plans in order. And I'm not telling you not to have wisdom and not to plan your life. But what I'm saying is our first res response, our first action should be God first. God, what are you wanting for my life? Not because I want to get something out of it for my own benefit, but because I believe and I know and I trust and I know who my God is to allow me to have the most God-fulfilling life there is, there is, even if it's unlogical, even if it doesn't make sense to me in the moment. God, why would you ask me to quit my job? Why would you ask me to go to a different college? I had all these plans lined up. Why would you ask me to maybe wait on this relationship or end that friendship? may not make sense, 
but God has the most fulfilling life for you. And how do you grow in your faith? And I know we've kind of touched on this in the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to go kind of quickly, but a lot of times we think of our Bible reading, you know, like I said, you just kind of check it off, open up your chapter, okay, I got that, I'm good, move on. But like I said, if you can't have a trust in God if you don't know God, the way you get to know God is by reading the word. Not out of Christian duty, not just because it's the good Christian thing to do, but because as we read the word, we learn the character of God. Could you imagine if like a friend came up to you and they were like, here's my list of qualifications as a good friend. I promise I'll be good. I'll bring you coffee. We'll crochet together. And I like my friend Mariah. I said, we're going to be like nine-year-old ladies together because she's learning how to knit. I'm learning how to crochet. Like, it's like God is saying, here is a list of all of the things that I've done and I can do it in your life too. Maybe he's not going to ask you to build a boat, but he might ask you to step out in a way that feels uncomfortable. But reading his word is how we begin to learn that God will come through at the end of the story. Even when we don't see it, when we're in the middle of our hardship, the middle of these circumstances that we say, God, if you don't move, there's nothing else that can happen because I don't want anything else to go before me unless you go before me. But we only learn God and get to know God when we read his word. The second one is pray and listen. I don't know about you, but I definitely a lot of times will go, okay, God, here, all my list of of woes, like, God, this is happening in my life, this is happening in my life, this is happening in my life, I need you to do this, you know, you kind of keep going. But when was the last time that you just said, God, what do you want to say to me today? And you just, just were quiet. And you just listened until he spoke to you. And the way we learn the voice of God is by actually getting quiet and zoning in on him and listening, which is hard to do because we live a very busy life and distracted life. A lot of us have kids and jobs and families. It's hard to just get quiet and learn the voice of God. And the last one is obey. And as you begin to identify the voice of God and learn the character of God, you activate your faith by actually doing what he says to do. And a lot of times we look at obey as kind of like this negative thing, like, okay, God, I guess I'll submit to you. Like, you're telling me to do this, almost in this begrudging way. But think of the people in the Bible when God told them to do something, oftentimes they said, sure, God, let's do it. Why? It wasn't out of this begrudging heart. And sure, they had questions. Sure, people definitely want ask God a lot of questions. God, why are you asking me this? But because when you know you're God, when you know he has your best interest, when you know God is good, God is just, God is pure, God is giving me, wants to give me the best life for me possible, it actually becomes a lot easier to say, oh God, you're asking me to go here, I trust that you have a plan for this. Oh God, you want me to give this money to this person? Oh, absolutely, because there's a reason. Obedience becomes a lot easier when you have this heart that says, God, it's all yours. Your will be done in every area of my life. In every facet of my life, I want you to move. Obedience doesn't become so begrudging. It becomes actually a joy to say, God, I want to just have you direct every area of my life, and I'm going to live that way. You know, one thing that happens a lot when we hear these messages on faith, I kind of leave like so activated. I'm like, yeah, beast mode activated. You know, faith activated. Let's do this. We're going to win the world. We're going to win the city. And that's great. I want you to have faith. But what happens? We get home. Our kids are still our kids. <laughs> our financial problems are still our problems. You know, we still have the things that we face. And what happens is the voice in our head begins to get very, very loud. The doubts, the fears, the concerns. And if Satan can just get you to doubt God 
and get you distracted, you'll remain stagnant in your faith for as long as he can keep you there. As long as Satan can keep you doubting and distracted, you will remain stagnant in your faith. And you know, there's a few things that cause us to remain in this distracted and doubting uh, area in our life. And the first one is time. I can confidently say this is one of the hardest ones for me. You know, when you have kids or just a busy life, it is so hard to just slow down and focus on God. And we see this story in the Bible of Mary and Martha. What was Martha doing? Getting the house ready for Jesus, getting it ready, making sure everyone was fed. I love hosting. I love having people over. You know, my house is cleaner than it ever has been when somebody comes over. I don't know about you. Then they leave and you're like, whew, you go back to being a hot mess again. Thank goodness that's over. I am busy. When people come over, I'm really trying to teach myself, just sit down, the dishes, we'll do them later, just enjoy it. But what was Martha doing? She was busy. And Mary, she sat at the feet of Jesus and just was in his presence listening to him. Don't be so busy that you miss Jesus. Don't be so busy that you miss learning his voice, that you miss the opportunity for him to catch you on the other side. The problem is we get so busy that we don't even give God the opportunity to move in our life. We get so busy creating the perfect plan for our life that we never even gave God a chance. But we have to sit at the feet of Jesus. And the last one, or sorry, the second one is unqualified. A lot of times we just, we kind of stop in our faith because we say, I'm not qualified to do that. I can't do that, God. God, I don't think I'm, I'm good enough for that. I've messed up too many times. I'm just nobody. You want to know what Jesus did actually in the Bible to people who thought they were somebodies? He humbled them. <laughs> if you're feeling like a nobody, good. God can use that. <laughs> it's a lot harder for God to use somebody that walks in like, I'm ready to be used by God. I'm the one. No, God humbles them real fast and it's really embarrassing. So don't be that person. God is looking for just ordinary people that don't think they're somebody, but they just say, God, I may not be the best of the best. I may just be an ordinary person. I may just be a mom at home. I may be this or that, but I am willing to be used by you. I have an open heart and an open mind that just says, God, I'm listening. What are you speaking? God says that. That's what I want to use. I don't, I know, we've all messed up. We've all sinned. Stop letting that be a reason that you are not letting God use you and speak to you. God does not just call qualified people. He qualifies them. And the third one is fear. Um, this kind of shows itself in a few different ways, but I believe fear has a huge, huge stronghold over many, many people today. That could be just anxiety, social anxiety, insecurity in yourself, or fear of man. It comes in a lot of different forms. And I really thought of Daniel in the lion's den when I was kind of thinking about fear. And I think a lot of times we read stories in the Bible that we've heard, you know, we kind of are familiar with them, and we go, kind of glaze over it. But I was like really trying to put myself in Daniel's shoes, like looking down at a den of lions, like, God, I trust you, but like if one plus one equals two, a den of lions plus me probably equals a delicious dinner for them. Like, this is pretty black and white here, right? And it never said, oh, Daniel had no fear. The Bible never says that, we, that the, these amazing, you know, heroes of faith never doubted, never had 
genuine feelings that they had to face. But it didn't stop them from doing what God called them to do. Even at the threat of death from many of these people, they said, God, I will submit to you. God, I'm still going to say yes. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as everyone else is bowing down and they're standing like, you guys still on board? Okay, we're still doing this? Okay. And they're taking them to the, fir- the fiery furnace and they're feeling the heat coming on. And I don't know about you, that doesn't seem very logical. When you're having faith, you're saying, okay, I know this is pretty black and white. Fire burns things. I'm going to probably get burned. No. But we see people in the Bible who never said they didn't fear, they didn't have doubts, they didn't question God and all this stuff. It's that even with those feelings, even with those emotions, they still submitted and had a trust in who their God was. And they said, yes, even at the threat of death, even when I don't understand it, God, I'm going to move. I'm going to do what you're going to do. And I'm going to end here. What are the areas in your life that Satan has kept you doubting God or has just kept you distracted? If you want to live a life activated in faith, You have to begin to identify those areas that have kept you doubting God, that has kept you from having a deep, relentless, unmovable, unshakable trust in your Father. Even in the middle of your story, when your circumstances may not look so great, think of Moses when he's standing at the Red Sea and he goes, there's a sea in front of me and an army coming to attack me. Circumstances didn't look so good. But what happened? He had an ear that was tuned to the voice of God that said, use your staff and the sea will part. And God did a miracle. The sea was separated. There's a miracle that God is wanting to do in your life, but it does take you getting quiet before him, learning his voice, putting your trust in him, and quieting the distractions in your life. I think a lot of times we think, well, God, I don't really feel like you're calling me to build a boat (laughs) or face a giant like, you know, David and Goliath. A lot of times faith just looks kind of mundane. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes it looks like, you know, reading my Bible to my, or reading uh, my son's little kid Bible to him every day. Sometimes it looks like, okay, God, I know you've called me to this place of work and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be light. I'm gonna try to speak to my coworkers about you whenever the opportunity presents itself. I'm just gonna pray for my family. I'm just gonna come to church. I know when I had little kids, um, when I had infants, it was really hard because I'd come to church and I'd be like, why am I here? <laughs> I'm barely in the service. I'm always being needed. And I kind of felt like, man, what's the point? But there is power in when you are investing in the mundane because God has a tendency to take the natural and make it supernatural. <laughs> we may not always see it in the moment, but as you are faithful and as you are obedient, God is faithful to take your natural and make it supernatural. And in James 2, through 24, it says, you see, his faith and actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not faith alone. It's not just about having this precious little like tool in our tool belt. It says, I'll use this faith when it's convenient. Saying faith is something we wield constantly, ready, in action, ready to go. God, I'm always listening. Sorry, I'm always ready to be moved by you. God, what are you saying for my life? What would begin to happen 
if you just took every area of your life and said, God, you move. In my family, God, how can I better serve my spouse? What do they need to hear from you? Just your marriage alone would just have so much fruit. God, how can I be a better employee? How can I bring you to my workplace? It's about putting God at the beginning of your life in every area of your life. And my question to you is, do you know who your God is? Do you genuinely know that at the end of your story, he will be there? And he is here in the middle, at the end. He's working all things together. Do you know who your God is? Do you have a relentless trust in God? Will you quiet those voices in your life that get really loud sometimes, whether it's external or your own voice? Will you quiet those voices? You know, when your kids are running up to you and you're like, shush, I gotta listen to God's voice. You know, are you gonna quiet those voices so you can begin to learn the voice of your father? And will you surrender your own plans? And this one can be so hard because a lot of times we really feel like we have such a perfect plan, the perfect college, the perfect job. Will you even surrender that? Saying, God, I want to live a life with open hands, with just saying, God, I want what you want from my life. Even when it doesn't make sense, even if I don't see the reward, even if I'm not getting something out of it right away, You know, I think Jesus modeled this really well in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, God, if you can take this from me, when he was about to be crucified, God, if you can take this from me, so be it. But your will, not mine. I think all of us should have that heart that says, God, your will, not mine, in every area of our life. You know, the series is called Up For It. And are you up for that? Are you up to wield that tool that just says, God, I want to live Faith activated. I want to walk out of here activated, fully ready to do what God wants me to do. And if I can just ask you guys to close your eyes, I'm just going to pray. Whether you want this life or not, I'm praying for it. God, I thank you so much for every person in this room. God, I thank you that no matter how low we think about ourselves, that God, you you don't call the qualified, you qualify the called. That, God, you use us just because we say, God, I'm willing and I'm ready to be used by you. God, I pray that we will begin to see our city changed because of the obedience of every person in here that says, I want to hear your voice and I want to do what you say. God, I pray that anybody that is in the middle of, of the story where they say every circumstance around me seems impossible Everything in front of me seems like I can't move forward. God, I pray you begin to have, uh, you begin to move in their story. I pray you begin to help us open our ears that you will begin to tell them, here's where I need you to go. Here's what I need you to do. So God, you will be glorified. So God, you will be seen in their life. I pray you help us to be activated in our faith. And Lord, I thank you that you are always faithful to come through. And I just pray you help us live this kind of life. And you can keep your eyes closed. And if you want to start your journey with God today, if you're saying, man, I want to kind of feel like that beast mode, this is where it starts. It starts by putting your faith in God. And the first step is just saying, sign me up. I want to live this life. Maybe you've been living far from God. Maybe you've never made this decision or you did in years past. You've walked away and you say, I'm starting over. I want a fresh start. I'm just going to pray a prayer in a moment, but if you would like to begin your walk with God, just raise your hand. And this is an act of faith. Thank you. 
This is just an act of faith. Thank you so much. So awesome. So awesome to see people saying, God, I want to commit my life to you because God knows your story. We're just going to pray. This isn't a magic prayer, but it's just saying, God, this is where I want to start. I just want to give my life to you. And if you could just repeat after me, dear God, I thank you for always meeting me where I need you. I ask for your forgiveness and I'm sorry for walking away from you. Would you forgive me? I want to start over. In Jesus' name, amen.